0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pain to Purpose. Um, On our last episode, uh, we finished up chapter one and we began chapter two. And in chapter two, I had a memory that kind of shook me a little bit. And it's funny because that same day, um, I was on a, a prayer conference that night and the individual that was praying, they stopped and said, I don't know why, but I need to say this. But there's some of you that have parents and fam- or family members that you've not spoken to in a very long time. It's time to fix that. And I just kind of laughed because uh, for those of you that listened to the last episode, you um, know that I had a moment where I remembered that my biological father um, had recently uh, reached out and asked to see my daughter and me before he leaves this earth. And so uh, recalling that memory, it kind of stunned me a little bit because I had completely forgot about it until I had started talking about the situation with my biological father. And so I take it that that prayer call Monday night was confirmation uh, that I need to reach out to him. So I do plan to do that. I don't want to say soon. Um, Because I don't want to lie. But let me just say this. I'm doing my best to not procrastinate in doing so. Pray for me. All right. So on today's episode, um, we're going to finish out chapter two. I'm not sure if I'll have time to go into chapter three. um, But we'll just go as the spirit leads and whatever else God may have me to say, I'll say. And when he says stop, I'll stop. All right, so when I was 17 years old, my pastor, whom I love dearly, uh, passed away from cancer. I was devastated because he was the only positive male role model that had been in my life. When he passed away, I also seen a side of church folks that I never thought was possible. The people that were so loving and accepting were the same ones that became so mean and people were leaving the church because of it. I made up in my mind that this was not something that I wanted to be a part of. So at 17, I walked away from the church and everything and everyone that had anything to do with it. At that point in my life, I was no longer angry, but I was enraged. I was hurt, confused, bitter, and I did not have a care in the world. I became very disrespectful to my mother. Uh, I completely resented her and my brother. I resented her because she allowed me to go through all the mess that I had seen growing up. And I resented my brother because it was only because of him that she decided to leave my dad. And he was a male on top of that. So... I already had a distaste for the male gender, and, and my brother being a male, and then my my, my, my mother siding um, for him, it it had me, it made me feel some type of way towards my brother, <clears throat> and I resented men because they either um, hurt me or left me, and in my mind, I was all alone with no one to trust or to lean on. The next section in chapter two, I call it damaged. Um, When I graduated from high school, I had been accepted to some well-respected universities um, like Howard University, Tennessee State University, Northeastern, um, Arizona State, NC State, Texas A&M, to name a few, but I decided to start uh, attending East Tennessee State University. And I went there on an athletic and academic scholarship, and it was there that I really started to live a rebellious life. rewinding back to my senior year of high school, I had met my first love, um, who was a freshman star basketball player at ETSU, um, also known as East Tennessee State University. So if you hear me say ETSU, that's, that's the school I'm referring to. Um, I was so in love with him and on my 18th birthday, I gave my virginity to him. I just knew, um, that he loved me as much as I loved him. But during my freshman year at that college, I found out he had a girlfriend on campus. um, And it was the whole time that he had been seeing me. She had found out about me because for me, it was no secret that he and I were dating. So like all of his teammates knew it, we all would hang out. And one of my friends dated one of um, his teammates. So we all, everybody knew, We like as far as the team and and my friends everybody knew we dated it wasn't a secret so when I was asked um, by my new friends on campus if I was dating anyone I was like yeah I date such and such from the basketball team and his other girlfriend um, had heard about me around the same time I found out about her Um, she called me and, and had asked how long I had been dating him and I let her know uh, it had been since my senior year of high school, which was the year prior, and apparently they were high school sweethearts who had came to the same college together. Uh, she and I confronted him about it, and he denied even knowing me. My whole world came tumbling down, and that was the icing on the cake for me. Um, I really at that moment hated men; I was done being hurt by men. And I developed a mentality that before another man would hurt me, I would hurt him first. That also ended up causing me to fail to recognize a good man when he came into my life. And I found myself sabotaging potentially good relationships because of the hurt that I had endured and the trust um, that I had lost for all men, period. I started smoking weed and drinking and going to the club, hanging out with all the wrong people. At first, uh, I felt bad for the things that I was doing, but somewhere along the way, it became okay, and I had no conviction whatsoever. I found comfort in the weed and the alcohol. I was very angry, um, and I became very hateful towards people. If someone would look at me the wrong way, I would go off on them. I was getting kicked out of the clubs almost every weekend for fighting, and I just didn't care about anything or anyone because clearly no one cared about me. Even to this day, uh, when I think about the things that I did and said to truly hurt people to the core, it's like, wow, did I really have that much anger and hate towards a human being? It's like I was standing outside myself looking at myself, and I didn't like what I had seen. Um, and I, like I'll for me, I didn't have to physically fight you. I could cut you with my words. I was very good um, with, with my mouth. I didn't I ain't even have to put my hands on you. My mouth, it, it did what I needed it to do. Um, around the middle of my freshman year in college, my cousin would talk me into visiting um, her church with her a few times. And I would go here and there and I would feel a little conviction Um, after I had started going to church, but it wasn't enough to make me stop what I was doing. The funny thing is, even though I was doing what I was doing, I still prayed and I still read my Bible. That was something my grandmother had taught me to do. So I had not completely removed God from my life. I believe it is because I still had a prayer and devotional life that I did not go to jail when I should have, or even died when I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. By the time my sophomore year of college came, I was badly addicted to getting high and drinking. I started skipping class to eventually dropping out of college. Um, I had fully started living a life of alcohol, getting high, fighting, promiscuity, and clubbing. My attitude was I would get someone else before they got me. And when I tell my testimony, I always say I was kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie uh, Catch Me If You Can. I would lie about where I was from, who I was, what I did. Sometimes I'd even speak with a different accent um, to back up wherever I told them I was from. Um, Whatever I thought people needed to hear is what I told them. And I did not let anyone in my personal space and I did not do relationships because in my mind, men were no good. I started hanging out with drug dealers, making drug runs, and even learning how to turn cocaine into crack. I learned how to weigh the drugs and and what each weight should sell for there were a couple of times where I could have you know died from being present where there were shootouts going on bullets were literally flying in front of my face I've gone to drug houses with drug dealers I've watched them make drugs and then we'll go with them to sell the drugs I started selling drugs had people selling drugs for me this went on from age 19 until I was 21 and That's when I had um, met my daughter's dad. He brought out a happy side of me that I never knew was there. But at the same time, I was afraid. So there were places that I just could not let him in. And so I was very much in love with him though. Um, We spent almost every night together from the day we met in April, 2001, up until February, 2005, when he was set to go back to Atlanta. In summer, 2003, when he had gone, uh, gone home for a break, he had ended up hooking up with who I thought was an old girlfriend. But come to find out, he was and had been in a relationship with her the whole time um, that he was away at college. And she was pregnant with their son because they was hooking up during um, his breaks. So my heart was broken all over again. He assured me that it was a mistake and that they had tried to work things out when he went home for the summer, but it was over. Um, I was naive enough to believe every word he was telling me. Besides, he was with me most of the year while he was at school, so I had every reason to believe what he was telling me. What is love? (laughs) Um, In 2005, I became pregnant with our daughter, which just happened to be a couple months before he was going to be finished with school and will be moving back to Atlanta. Uh, he did not want me to keep the baby initially because I later found out he was planning on going back to Atlanta to be a family with his son's mother and his son. And so he was planning to end things with me that semester. However, the thought of me having an abortion did not sit well with him. And it it definitely didn't sit with me either. I was very clear that I would not abort my baby. His plans to be a family was now ruined and he had to come clean with his son's mother. From that moment on, all you know what (laughs) broke loose. Um, And it was like, he looked at me as if I ruined his life. And he had so much anger and hate towards me and the feeling was very mutual. there, were, there I was again, alone and abandoned, only this time with the child. I was at a complete loss emotionally. Uh, after my daughter was born, I had postpartum depression on top of all the years of emotional, sexual, and verbal abuse that I had fully, uh, yet fully come to terms with. There were times that I could not stand being a mother or even uh, being. By this time, I was working a good job, but was still selling drugs. I remember sitting there one night after I had a drug drop. I was sitting there measuring out and separating the drugs, and and I remember looking at my three-month-old daughter thinking to myself, if the cops were to come in here right now, where would I hide these drugs, and what would happen to my daughter? It was at that moment that I decided drugs were not worth losing my child, and I told my drug dealer and the people that sold drugs for me that I was no longer in the game and that they had to lose my number. And this was in 2006. My daughter's dad had talked me into moving to Atlanta and gave me hopes of us being a family, hopeful. I left a great job, packed up everything and moved to Atlanta. It was there that I truly hit rock bottom. Um, But it was also there when God started dealing with me. After moving there, I ended up being left by myself to take care of my daughter. We were staying in hotels and my savings was pretty much gone. I remember walking outside and I sit down on the curb and just begin to cry and ask God why. As I was sitting there, this guy pulls up and and he asked what was wrong. And I told him that I had no money and I couldn't find a job. And he offered me a job stripping and I considered it, but I didn't have enough nerve to do it. I was never comfortable allowing the guys that I dealt with to see me with my clothes off, let alone perfect strangers. And so I <clears throat> I had went back in and I turned on the TV that next morning. And Pastor Hagee was on and I started to listen to his message about feeling like God has forgotten you. I ended up calling into the prayer line and the lady prayed for me. I had decided it was time to go back to Johnson City and face the humility of having to let my family know what had happened and that I was broke. That was something I was not looking forward to because as far as they knew, I was living up in in ATL. I I was doing my thing in ATL and that wasn't the case. Um, However, not long after that, I received a settlement check in the mail and was able to move my daughter and I out of the hotel and into a gated community and I got a a great job. Um, I worked as a medical assistant at Atlanta Psychiatry Neurology and things start looking up for me, my daughter and me. There's an anonymous quote. It says, there are two types of pain. One that hurts you and the other that changes you. And I had experienced all the pain that could hurt me. Now it was time to experience that pain to change me. As we go into Chapter 3, I call Chapter 3, Subduing Pain. Although I was still smoking, drinking, and crying myself to sleep every night, something was happening to me down on the inside. I was starting to feel convicted every time I would smoke or drink. Not only that, but I was also really starting to pray and cry out to God and read my Bible consistently. I didn't have the desire to party or, or go to the clubs anymore. In the mornings on my way to work, I would listen to worship music, and Smokey Norfolk and Yolanda Adams, those are my my go-tos, but I would listen to the music and I would just begin to cry my eyes out and I would call out to God. God was working on my heart because where there used to be a feeling of, I don't care anymore, a feeling of, Lord, save me from myself started to surface. I came home to visit Thanksgiving 2007 and normally when I would visit, I would get up and drive back to Atlanta um, on that Sunday morning. This Sunday morning was different though. I felt a need to go to church and so I went and I visited the church I had once been a member of. They had a new pastor that I had heard about and I went to the church that morning and at the end of the service, the pastor said, if you need God to work on your behalf right now, uh, form a line down the aisle. And so I walked up and I got in the line. And when the pastor got to me, he said, why are you here? I said, well, I used to be a member here and I came in for Thanksgiving and he interrupted me and said, no, why are you here? And I just looked at him and he said, God said it is time. And so when I left church that afternoon, it's time kept resonating in my spirit. And I called my mom and and I told her I was going to move back to Tennessee. And she asked me when. And I was like, tonight. And so that same night, I took my cousin, drove back to Atlanta, packed everything I could in my car and and moved back that very night. I sent my daughter's dad a message and I told him, you know, we're leaving. Not only did I come back to Tennessee um, or to the church, but I came back to my father. And so at this point. I go into having a new outlook. My life completely started to change after moving back to Tennessee. I had a new pastor and was attending church on a regular basis again. I would be at the altar every Sunday, crying out to God. I did not want to let go of Him again, and I yearned His presence. I wanted to be in His presence so bad that I didn't watch TV, and I was constantly praying, fasting, and reading my word. And I was beginning to hear God speak and I was having dreams and visions again. And I would pray for something, believe it, and just like that, it would happen. I was just in the right place with God again. I was literally getting another chance in every area of my life. Things were so good and I felt so good. Um, God was delivering me from everything that was not like him or, or from him. I quit smoking and drinking on October 5th, 2008. I had um, a few setbacks over the years, but quickly got back on the path. October 7th, 2008, I had decided to take a vow of celibacy and to keep myself as unto the Lord until the man of God that he has for me comes along. And with God's keeping power, I have been able to keep my vows so much so that I not even kiss the man but God. <laughs> um, and, and that's, again, since 2008. And here I am 13 years later, still waiting for the Lord to bring my husband. Times have been very hard. But like like the old saying is, if you want to be kept, God will keep you. He always provides a way of escape. Just like when his word says, when tempted, he will provide that way of escape. But we have to want to. You have to check your want to's. You have to want to be kept. You have to want to um, live as God has called you to live and so with with his spirit and his keeping power i've been able to do that and the word is true when it says in our in our weakness god is made strong and he has definitely um, been my strength in moments of weaknesses i started to get heavily involved with the church again Um, the pastor had asked me to be a youth leader and so i started working with the youth in 2008 Uh, pastor also had asked me to lead a noonday prayer this freaked me out um, because I knew nothing about leading a corporate prayer. And he said, uh, just let the spirit of God lead you and you will be all right. And he also told me that 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 was how uh, God was going to start develop- developing me through prayer. And so I started leading prayer and God used me in so many ways to bring glory to his name. And I started to sing in the choir and praise dance. I had a great job and a home for my daughter and me. And I had started going back to school. And things are going well. Um, I was slowly finding happiness again. And I think I'm going to end here today um, with the portion of the book. Um, so on the next um, episode, we'll finish out chapter 3. And in chapter 3, we will begin with church hurt. So after experiencing hurt in family, hurt in the world... Um, then being healed and feeling like I had a new start, I end up experiencing hurt in a place that I never thought you could experience hurt. Um, and so I'll, I'll go into being hurt in the church, but even still then the, the same God that delivered me and, and healed me from the pain of the world is the same God and delivered me from, um the hurt that I experienced um, in the church. And so there is no situation, no hurt, no pain that's too much for God. The word says that with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. He is a God that healeth thee. And he has definitely healed me and is still healing me and continues to heal me and, and help me to in areas that I still um uh, Need, need help in. He's continuing to shape me and mold me. And that's, that's what God does. He loves us. He loves us um, so much that he gave his son for us. And his love covers us. His love fills those voids that we try to fill with other mechani- coping mechanisms. Um, nothing can fill a void. Only God can. But we, again, we have to check our want tos. We have to want to be healed. We have to want to be deliberate. We have to want to come out of what it is that we're in. When we have our mind made up and we go before God exposed, giving him everything we are and everything that we're not, man, I can't even describe the feeling when you just give it all to God, just lay it at his feet. His word says to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And it is so true. He's, he's always there waiting for us to come and give it to him, but it's up to us to do it. He's not just going to come and, and make us. We have to want to, we have to choose him. We have to choose him over whatever it is that we're going through. And, to, to completely lean and depend on him. The word says to lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways to acknowledge him, he shall direct our path. And so again, we have to have that made up mind. And so I pray that um, again, as I continue to share my story and the things that God lays on my heart, that somebody's life has changed. Um, you're welcome to reach out. And if you need prayer, um, if you need to be led in, in, in the the prayer of repentance, if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you need somebody to talk to, whatever um, the situation is, whatever you need, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. I am more than happy to pray for you. I'm more than happy to um, share with you what I can and um, in, in hopes that it will help you um, because I know the power of God and how it has the ability to turn situations around. And I'll be more than happy to share that with you and to pray with you. Um, and and I, I pray for my listeners anyway. Um, but if you want to reach out, you can call me 678-253-2553. Again, that's 678-253-2553. And until our next episode, I pray you are blessed, love you, and anything you can do about it.